This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we are, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. We are in the second sermon of Daniel 5, really Daniel 5, part 2, Forgotten but Faithful. Forgotten but Faithful, Daniel 5, 10 through 16. One of my favorite kids' movies is The Incredibles. I love that movie. Have it memorized. These superheroes are sued, so they are forced into retirement. Mr. Incredible is working in an insurance cubicle, and he's, you know, just so bored out of his mind, but he's trying to earn money for his family. He's working in this little cubicle, and then he finally gets back into action. You've got to watch it if you want to see the whole thing, but he's out of shape, so he works out, he gets back into shape, and he ends up saving the world again. He comes out of retirement and saves the world again. The same thing happens to Daniel here. He remember the theme when bad things happen is God still in control and we're seeing that even when we feel like we're forgotten is God still in control and we real quick review Nebuchadnezzar has died Daniel is is uh, forgotten the Belshazzar his grandson is under siege but he's having this big party he mocks God the handwriting on the wall appears and freaks him out the wise guys can't read it strike three but guess who's going to be able to read it Let's pray. Father, we just pray that we would really be able to hear through your mercy and grace, be able to hear your word. And whatever whatever we are called to do, wherever we are called to do it, even if we feel like we're forgotten or nothing's happening, Lord, we know something always is happening. It's happening inside of us. You're preparing us. You're working in our hearts. And I just pray that each of us would see and hear what Daniel has to say for us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Daniel chapter 5, picking up with verse 10. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, and astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writings mean. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles of my father, the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom." Woo, okay, here we go. First of all, the queen comes in, verse 10. The queen, hearing the voices of the kings and nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, 
battles and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writings mean. Now it says queen here, but probably queen mother is the same word used for both once again. Uh, it's probably the queen mother. It was probably either Nebuchadnezzar's wife or more likely even one of his uh, daughters. We know that Nabonidus married at least one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters, and it could have even been her who was here. Nebuchadnezzar has been dead for 23 years, but even one, he married these young girls, so even this could even be one of his wives or, once again, probably his daughter, uh, because they would marry these younger girls. But anyway, the queen mother, it was very likely this is the queen mother. She was a very influential position at, th at this time and in this culture, very, very influential. Whoever was picked as, he had many, many wives. The kings had many wives, but they would pick a queen mother. This was the one who was going to rule with him. And she talks to him like a mother. She says, your father. And, and she was an eyewitness of all this. So very likely that uh, was... was uh, you know, saw Belshazzar as her son, although it was an adopted son. Remember, Nabonidus adopted him. So anyway, very likely that, uh, very likely that it was a queen mother of some kind here. And she also knew Daniel well. She uses the same language that Nebuchadnezzar used. So very likely, once again, I think it was probably one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters that married Nabonidus, was still in Babylon, used the same language that Nebuchadnezzar used. He, she said the spirit of the holy gods, the spirit of the holy gods. Same words, I seem to be an eyewitness of what had happened. Maybe she's also keeping an eye for Nabonidus on his wayward adopted son and he gets in a lot of trouble when he parties and she, you know, she heard about this hand on the wall, came running in. What's he, what trouble has he gotten into this time? Mom's here, everything. She tells him to pull himself together and to call on Daniel because verse 12, he can do everything. This guy can do it all. If you do, uh, if you, the word study shows that when she talks about him solving these difficult problems, it literally means he's able to loosen knots. He's loosening that. You give him any tricky thing to do and he can un, un, untie it, solve it. You could put blindfold him and he could solve a Rubik's Cube anyway. He, this is Daniel. He had this amazing ability. So the king, in verse 13 to 16, so Daniel was brought before the king and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Deja vu all over again. Daniel's probably sick of hearing this line, right? Verse 16, Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So he obviously did know of Daniel because look what he does. He went beyond the info that the queen gives him and he's, he knew he was from Judah. So he obviously knew who Daniel was. He, Daniel was very, very well known. He may have fired Daniel when he became the co-ruler, the second to his, his adopted father, Nabonidus. He might have fooled, uh, 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 fired him on the advice of his wise guys. Remember, they're all jealous of him. They, we know they resented Daniel, this foreigner, this worshiper of, of Jehovah God versus all the Babylonian gods. And they, we know they resented him. We're going to see that in next chapter, chapter 6. 
Daniel in the lion's den. Don't miss that one. Also, when Belshazzar became the king, it was very common to appoint a new cabinet and to sweep clean. And maybe he resented Daniel because Daniel was the vice president with Nebuchadnezzar at one time. He was the second ruler already. And now he doesn't want another second ruler in his place here. He was already the vice president with Nebuchadnezzar. So uh, verse 14, he said, I heard you have the spirit of the gods. Significant that he leaves out a key word, holy gods. He leaves out the holy part. This says something about his spiritual state, which we've already seen last uh, sermon, right? He, when you, he didn't see him as the whole, the whole God is holy. He seated him as just gods. And, and the way that most people at this time, and still do, they saw the gods as something that you could manipulate, that you could use them when you need something, Sound familiar? Even in the Christian churches, you know, there's this, this health wealth thing. They manipulate God to get what they want or what they need, right? Uh, but, but, but most people see God that way. Oh, put in your penny prayer and out pops that, that gumball answer that you expect out of God. Whether we have, I never pray to you, God. You see it in the movies of Foxhole Guy. I don't, never pray to you, but I need you now, you know? So that kind of thing. Uh, so, Verse, he saw, he didn't see God as holy, he just saw him as one of the gods, right? And versus Nebuchadnezzar, who learned to respect the one true God. And he had taught others to do the same. Remember the prayer of Nebuchadnezzar last time. And it's ironic, this guy who is blaspheming God now turns to a follower of the one true God when he's in a crisis. Have you ever thought about that? Mocking God, but then when things get tough, he turns to a follower of God because he's in a crisis. It's the same today, right? So often, don't we see the same thing? Someone is in a crisis and they turn to their Christian friend. They're not the people that they're partying with. That's not who they turn to. They turn to their Christian friends. Uh, believe me, uh, many times on the sports field, the same people that kind of ignored me. I mean, don't say, hi, we're friends. I like them, but I didn't go partying with them. And, uh, but, but, you know, we had a friendship, but, but they see the peace. They see God's power in our life. Not perfection. Make sure they don't see perfection because we're not perfect. Let them know who we really are. They see the peace, though, and the power in our life. And when we keep living it, they're going to turn to us when they're in a tough spot. That's what happens. They turn to us. They don't go to their partying friends when they're having a problem with their kid or their marriage or some disease or something. They come to us. They turn to us. They're looking for answers from the one true God. And we have to be ready to share that with them. First Peter 3.15 says this. First Peter 3.15, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Wow, what a, what a great verse. Memorize that one. I hope you have it memorized. Uh, but in our hearts, Daniel is a great example to us. He was forgotten but faithful. Forgotten but faithful. He's well over 80 years old now. Remember that. Nebuchadnezzar has been dead for 23 years when this event happens. Belshazzar was, uh, was the co-ruler nine years later, so that means doing the math, that's 14 years for 14 years. Belshazzar took over nine years later after Nebuchadnezzar. So 14, for 14 years now, he has been a nobody. He has been completely forgotten. For 14 years. He was in forced retirement. He was put out to pasture. He's not on the guest list anymore. He wasn't at this party. He wasn't there. Big party, no guest list. 
Well, who'd want Daniel around anyway? The stick in the mud. He's out of date morally. He's too convicting. He'll spoil all of our fun. Who'd want him around anyway? <laughs> Kim and I experienced this. And even in our neighborhood, there's lots of parties. And some parties we're invited to, family parties. But other ones we're not invited to. And people even say, well, we know you wouldn't really want to come. <laughs> I said, we're all going to be smashed out of our minds. <laughs> right? And so, but it didn't hurt our feelings. We don't want to go anyway. We don't want to see our friends like that. And we don't want to be in an awkward position either. Anyway, but, but it's just funny how you know, they didn't invite Daniel. They don't invite us to certain parties. Right? But what should we do? What did Daniel do? He, even though he's put out the pasture, he didn't compromise. He didn't quit. Go start just watching TV all the time. You know, he didn't quit. He didn't say, well, God's not going to need me anymore. I'm going to, didn't throw a, a temper tantrum, right? Didn't get bitter. He didn't panic. He didn't throw a pity party. He's not going to the parties anymore, so he throws himself a pity party and, and wastes away. He kept training the wise men. Remember we talked about that earlier in Daniel? He trained the wise men in Babylon who were getting ready to, for someday, hundreds of years later, to, for the Messiah. He made sure he trained them for that. We know from the rest of the book, Daniel 6, that he was still praying all the time. He was still in the Word. We know that. Wait till we see the rest of the book. He was still ministering to the exiles. He was preparing the remnant, the remnant revival. Not the big group. They were forgotten. God. He was preparing the remnant to go back to the promised land. He was preparing them for that. Maybe you feel forgotten today. Maybe you feel forgotten. Are we still going to be faithful? We all feel forgotten at times, don't we? Are we going to still feel, be faithful? Are we going to prepare? I remember when 9-11 happened, and, and at first everybody was so excited spiritually, and then they just quit coming to church, all that big bump. They all quit coming and forgot about God. And I remember just being disappointed, but thinking, are we going to, and I challenge our people, are we going to still be salt and light? Keep being salt and light. Keep being that prophetic voice. Keep preparing people for the next 9-11, and now it's here. The coronavirus is the next 9-11. Now it's here. Were we ready for this? Are we ready to really impact our world during this time? Many times we feel forgotten by God. We lose patience. We say, well, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to solve the problem my way. I'm going to turn to X, Y, or Z to to solve this problem. I'm going to self-medicate. I'm going to deal with it my way. Maybe you're feeling forgotten. Will we stay faithful? Will we stay faithful, trusting God? You're, we're not the first ones to feel forgotten. But we know we're not forgotten. But we feel that way. Think of Job. You think he felt forgotten? Think of David in his cave. Think of Moses watching those sheep for 40 years out in the desert. Think of John, the Apostle John, on the island of Patmos. You know, where, when's Jesus coming or when he's going to take me home? They couldn't even boil me and finish me off. Think they didn't feel forgotten? We all feel forgotten. Maybe you feel forgotten in your job. Maybe you've lost your job with this whole coronavirus crisis. Maybe you've been demoted and you have a new boss who doesn't appreciate you. Will you still be faithful to God and your job at this time? Moms and dads, maybe we don't feel appreciated. Maybe our kids have grown up and they're teenagers and they treat us like dirt or they've forgotten about us or they don't appreciate us. Are we going to be faithful to our family or to our spouse even though they aren't what we they aren't meeting my needs, my way, right? Are we going to be faithful to them waiting for God to change their hearts? Will we will we persevere through that? Maybe we're single and we feel forgotten that God hasn't given us a spouse to start with. Uh, maybe we're frustrated, but will we stay pure 
and, and ready, getting ourselves ready spiritually so that when God, if God does give us that right person, we'll be ready. Or if he calls us to be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, eunuchs, spiritual eunuchs, we're ready for that. Whatever God wants for our life. Maybe, maybe in your sport team, you've been put on the bench. Maybe you've been put on the bench or maybe in life you've been put on the bench and it's easy to get mad or lazy or just go through the motions, but will we stay ready for when God wants to put us in the game? Are we staying ready for that? I think of the Eagles back when they won the Super Bowl not a couple years back. Remember what happened? Their superstar Carson Wentz, loved, loved him. Uh, he gets hurt, can't play, and who do they bring in? Nick Foles. You know, sitting on that bench. But he wasn't just sitting on the bench. He was prepared. That guy was completely ready. And he comes in and, and they didn't miss a beat. He did had his amazing Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl just because Nick Foles, once again, another, both Wentz and Nick Foles, strong believers. I love them both. Uh, but both, he stayed ready. He didn't pout. He didn't demand to be traded. He didn't just go through the motions. He didn't retire. He didn't pull uh, Scottie Pippen. If you watch the the last dance, Scottie Pippen wouldn't go in in the key moment of the game, remember? Because the coach didn't call up his number to take the last shot. He wouldn't go in. He didn't pull Scottie Pippen. He, He was ready. He went in and he played for God. He was sitting on the bench for God. He was staying prepared for God. And he played for God. And he delivered a Super Bowl. Uh, for God. Gave God all the glory. Are we, are we like that? Are, even though we're on the bench or in the, you know, in the dugout, but are we ready? And I'm talking about not just in a game, but in life. Are we staying ready for whatever God is going to call us to? Maybe in ministry, maybe you feel in our ministries we feel forgotten, but, and it's not a time of fruitfulness. And we're like, God, what are you doing? Why is this, I'm having such a dry time. God uses the dry times, even in our ministries, to prepare us for fruitfulness. That, that, re, that pruning time to prepare us. And God doesn't measure fruit the way that the world measures it. He measures faithfulness to the, where God has called us and are we staying faithful. God does not measure the, 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 the way the world, the churches in America, they measure how many people are there and how much money they get. That's the disease of, 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 of the American church. But God measures faithfulness in producing disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what God measures in our, in our ministries. Whatever our ministry is, whether we're a pastor, whether we're a Sunday school teacher, whether we're a home fellowship, youth ministry, whatever we're doing, nursery, are we being faithful, tech team, sound team, worship team, are we being faithful? Faithful. Right where God has us. Are we doing that? Are we, are we still witnessing? Or do we say, well, what's the point? Nobody's coming to Christ. This person's not listening to me. Why keep witnessing? Why keep praying? Why keep being salt and light? Why keep trying to you know, throw out these little hooks? And we, we, we get discouraged. We say, what's the point? But we don't know what God is going to do. We never know what his plan is. We, we, we have to stay ready. Great example that I saved here is um, the first missionary to Korea who survived only a few months, was he a loser? And this was in Voice of the Martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs. And listen to this story. Amazing story. Did he waste his life? Was he forgotten? Or was he faithful? Robert J. Thomas was was ordained on June 4th, 1863 in a little church in Wales. He left in July sent by the London Mission Society to go to China. He went to China. His wife died soon after he arrived. In 1866, after evangelizing just a few months in Korea, 
and learning the language. He rode out to try to reach the Koreans. He rode on an American ship, the General Sherman, and he got, they were in the Todong River, and the Sherman began, became grounded on a sandbar. The Korean soldiers were suspicious and scared. They boarded the ship waving long flashing knives. When Thomas saw that he was going to be killed, he held out his Korean Bible to them saying, Jesus, Jesus. His head was cut off. Many would call his years of preparation a waste. He spent all that time waste. Loses his wife, wife, what a waste. Losing his life, what a waste. He didn't even do anything. Many would think there are better methods to share Christ. We feel at times that our efforts for Christ are failures. 25 years after Thomas' death, someone discovered a little guest house in this area with some strange wallpaper. The paper had Korean characters and letters printed on it. The owner of the house explained that he had used the pages of this book to paste the wall to preserve the writing. He wanted to preserve the writing, so he pasted it to the wall, even though he didn't really fully understand it. Many guests would come in and stay to read the walls. All around, people would come to read the walls. This was the Bible that Thomas had given to his murderers. Even today, that area of North Korea is ruled by communists, but the church lives on, underground lives on. The work, and this is Richard Wombrad from Voice of the Martyrs, said the work of Thomas, Robert J. Thomas, the temporary missionary, continues where now Bibles are not pasted on the walls, but hidden inside their hearts. We can't understand how God works, but he works through us, even when it doesn't make any human sense. Will we stay faithful even when we are forgotten? The rest of the chapter is going to take a little too long, so I'm going to save that for another sermon. But let's just close in prayer. Are we faithful? Are we faithful? Will... Are we living out our faith even when it looks like nobody's paying any attention? Will people, do people turn to us in their crisis, in their times of crisis, when they're desperate for answers? Now, during the coronavirus crisis, are they turning to us for the answers? Are we ready to come off the bench when God needs us? Are we staying prepared? Are we faithful right where God has us, ready to come off the bench? if and when he calls, are willing to stand that bench, knowing that God is even working in our heart there. Maybe you're listening to this and you aren't a Christian yet. Maybe you've been reading the walls. You've been watching people's lives and the Holy Spirit has begun to speak to you, to, 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 to open a Bible and to read about Jesus, to see what God has to say. Maybe like Belshazzar, you're desperate for answers, but there's only one answer, and that's Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Are you ready to come to Jesus? John 3.16 tells us how to do that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's by putting our faith in Jesus Christ that we have a relationship with God, that we get the answers to life through his word. But the first step is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken that step of faith? Have you ever believed in Jesus, put your faith in him and given your life to him? You can do that right now. The simple prayer of faith, God, I don't want the sin, the garbage, my old life anymore. I repent. I walk away from that. I believe Jesus, your son, your one and only son died on the cross for me, for my sin, so that I could have a relationship with you as my father. I believe that. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. Father, I pray that every person who hears this will put their faith in Jesus. And I pray that you would encourage all the Christians who are listening to this. You would encourage us to continue to be faithful. Even if we feel forgotten, we know that you have never forgotten us. You have a purpose for right where we are. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have a family member or friend who are Christians. Tell them. They'll be excited. They'll, they've been praying for you. They'll help you grow in your faith. And if you need somebody to tell, you don't know anybody to tell, then send me an email and I'll get you connected with some Christians and I'll be excited for you. nhcc at comcast.net Look forward to seeing you for the the conclusion of chapter 5 in Daniel.